Greetings and welcome to my podcast, Algonquin Defining Moments. This is your host, Gay Clemson, oral history author, storyteller, and lover of all things Algonquin Park. As you know, I've researched and written extensively over the last 20 years about the human history of Algonquin Park, which I'm really having a lot of fun sharing with you. Before I begin, I wanted to remind listeners of a few things. First is to note that if you're interested in purchasing my or my colleague Rory Mackay's Algonquin Human History books, they can be found in a number of places. These include the Friends of Algonquin Park's online or in-person bookstores, Amazon.ca, or Amazon.com. Now, on the other hand, if you'd like a signed copy, please feel free to drop me a line at clemsong at algonquinparkheritage.com. If you'd rather have an Algonquin Defining Moments t-shirt or coffee cup or other swag, check out links from my website www.algonquinparkheritage.com or go to redbubble.com and search for my Algonquin Defining Moments virtual storefront. I also, for most episodes, am able to post a number of photographs on algonquinparkheritage.com which you can investigate as well. I'd also like to encourage everyone to reach out and support the Wildlife Research Station in their ongoing work in environmental research, teaching, and education. I'd also like to announce that two new books have been published in May. The first is a paperback version of my three-part series on Tom Thompson's Life, Art, Mysterious Death on Canoe Lake in 1917, and the mythology that has resulted around him since then. It's for those who'd rather read than listen, or would like a new Algonquin something for their cottage bookshelves. Second is my Algonquin Cottage Cookbook, which is a totally new direction for me. Called Early 20th Century Algonquin Cottage Cookery, a whimsical stroll through the recipe box of Jean Bertram Peary, it's part culinary history, Peary family storytelling, and part cookbook. It brings to life what it must have been like working over a hot stove miles from civilization during the first half of the 20th century. Jean Peary, you've met several times, first in my book Algonquin Voices, Selected Stories of Canoe Lake Women, and secondly in Algonquin Defining Moments, Episode 24. There I chatted with Sandy Lewis, Jean's grandson, whose family were one of the original Canoe Lake leaseholders. Sandy spent years transcribing all 500-plus of his grandmother's recipes. I've selected over 300 recipes for you and your extended cottage family and friends to experiment with, as I have. It's great fun, and since most are cake, cookies, tarts, and puddings, I suspect there'll be tons of fans at the cottage. My third book for the season, which should be available soon, is a reformulation of my previous book, Nominegan and Other Smoke Lake Jewels. I've renamed it The Grand Trunk Railway Hotels, Stories of Three Algonquin Wilderness Getaways, The Highland Inn, Nominegan, and Minnesing. All of my books, of course, are available on Amazon.ca and Amazon.com, and also at the Friends of Algonquin Park bookstores. Once again, if you'd like a signed copy, please reach out to me at clemsong at algonquinparkheritage.com. So given that this week is the anniversary of Tom Thompson's disappearance and ultimate death 106 years ago on Canoe Lake, I thought it would be fun to take Algonquin Defining Moments in a slightly different direction for this episode. Published two years ago by Derek N. Robertson from Paddler Press in Peterborough, Ontario, Canoe Lake Memories is a book of poetry with reflections on Thompson, Canoe Lake, and of course fishing and water. In addition are a few great paintings which I have posted on my www.algonquinparkheritage.com website. 
So for this episode, I invite you to find a relaxing spot in nature, along with your favorite libation, and assume your mindfulness pose and view the episode as a meditation of sorts. For each piece, I'll introduce a bit about the writer so as to provide a bit of context. Enjoy. The book starts with a foreword from the editor, Derek N. Robertson. The story of Tom Thompson is woven into the fabric of this country. His art, small pieces that once paid his room and board, or given away to friends, now hang in galleries and in private collections around the world. The classic images of lakes, rivers, and trees adorn cards, mugs, and murals on sides of buildings. The mystery surrounding his death in the waters of Canoe Lake, Algonquin Park, has generated dozens of books, songs, and countless arguments and questions. Was it murder? An accident? Could it have been suicide? Is he still buried in the Moet Cemetery, or was his body really moved to the family plot in Leith, Ontario? We may never know for sure. What is certain is the lasting impact of his work, the painted expressions of his love for Algonquin Park. Those of us who have paddled Canoe Lake, visited the Memorial Cairn, and hiked to the Moet Cemetery, now being reclaimed by the trees deep in the forest, have felt the story of the land in our bones. In this new collection of poems and art from creatives around the world, we hear Tom's story once again. We are also invited to hear of the many connections to the land in the artist's own places, far from Algonquin, yet still imbued with the same love of, as Tom felt for the park. I offer a sincere thank you to the contributors who trusted us with your words and art. You are amazing creatives. The first contribution comes from Evelyn Robertson. Born and raised in Ontario, Evelyn Robertson is an auxiliary conservation officer working in British Columbia as an invasive species inspector. She's passionate about nature and can usually be found getting distracted by rotting logs and lichen while on walks. Her poem is called Echoing My Name. People were never my favorite. There were a few trusted few I reserved the title of friend. They didn't bother me one bit, but anyone else didn't understand. My compulsion to be companionless in my cabin, casting my soul on a canvas, alone from the world. But my lonely heart has been smitten. She holds lakes and rivers in her palm. The trees, animals, and fish live eat, and die with her ever-changing seasons. She leads me on and teases with the warmth of her summer in the depth of my winter. Faster than the Opiango in spring life changed, I don't smell the birch bark fire cracklings drying my damp socks. I don't feel the water from my paddle blade jump to kiss my skin. I don't hear the wind whispering my secrets to the birds who will listen. And yet... From all the people I tried to run, here they are, echoing my name. Next are two contributions from Wren Pike, who grew up in Newfoundland. Through sheer luck, she was born into a family who understood the exceptional value of a library card. Her work has appeared in journals such as Train, Juniper, and Red Alder. Her first is called The Story Goes. 
It's a rumination on the many questions and stories surrounding the 1917 death on Canoe Lake of painter Tom Thompson. The story goes Tom's body washed up behind my cabin. Not mine, mine, more mine for a summer, mine for a string of evening thunderstorms and smoky campfires, daily swims in mirror waters, long rough-hewn table meals, songs and tales of ghosts who lived, who knew Canoe Lake, its eponymous reds and greens, slow-dancing arms raised in tandem soloists, too, behind my cabin, bodies angled about to tumble, as if deciding almost shushing paddles, leaving no mark. On land, conifers misshapen, trembling, sudden-shaken poltergusts running through low brush, grasses nodding encouragement, woodsy, detrius afoot. Rocks jutting up, convenient all-weather seating, away from campers brushing teeth and chattering, shoving each other. Crush-back shoes, towels sun-splattered, bathing suits in the breeze. Sojourns where I would sit amidst the pines, wondering if really, really this was the place. Tom's broad-stroke passage waters lapping, maybe crashing, long lake entwined, now entangled evergreens, rooted, stoic, and muted. Watch driftwood weathered heave up and finally come ashore. Her second is called Jack Pine. Old outline holding, even as dusk colors fade, Jack Pine still standing. Next is called A Poem for Tom Thompson by Jerry Buma. Jerry grew up on a family dairy farm just north of Leith, Ontario, on one of the most beautiful farms in the area overlooking Georgian Bay. In 1970, he became the first Canadian to secure an athletic scholarship to Villanova University. Jerry has spent his entire career as a management consultant in the agriculture and food industry. He's worked in every province of Canada, including the Northwest Territories, and currently lives in Edmonton, Alberta. A poem for Tom Thompson. O oh, noble grave, what lies beneath, what secrets lie unstirred, what threads of flesh rest in this ground whose bones are here interred. Across those fields it all began, harsh west winds, the sifting sand, the lonesome pine, the autumn hue, curious eye, the steady hand. We too have seen this pristine birch, heard smack of pounding waves, felt light of spring, the gloom of fall, the rustle of the leaves. But you have captured sight and sound, entwined in scene sublime. While life is but a temporal state, your works transcend all time. Each passing year your spirit grows, more praise and yet some chatter, the mystery of where your body lies. But does that really matter? Next are some pensive thoughts from Rebecca Lerner, who lives in Brooklyn, New York, where she works at City Meals on Wheels. In the Northland. They say, look where you want to go. If you look at the right lines down the falls, you'll have a clean run. If you look at the hole, you'll paddle into the hole. I lean back in my boat and look at the sky. The river carries me. Chaos becomes calm if we can only change our view.
Victoria Hartwood, who wrote the next poem, grew up in the U.S., but spent every summer of her youth at her grandmother's cabin on Lac à la Perchaud in Trois-Rivières, and that experience often factors into her writing. Her fiction and poetry have been published in various literary magazines, including Washington Square, Bellatrist, Spectrum, Funicular Magazine, and 580 Split. It's called Wake. In your presence my heart unspools, Catch the glistening thread and hold a beat. I feel the tug, the tension, a struggle and release. I've removed the hook from all my lures, Just to watch you swim along in my wake. Next is a piece by Simon Lamb, who's a poet, performer, and storyteller from Scotland. In 2019, he released his poetry pamphlet, Cathedral Sky, and toured the country with his one-man poetry show. Throughout the pandemic, he shared stories from his sleeping bag and made numerous video poems, including Are We Not?, a humorous look at the popular stereotypes of Scottish people, and Unicorn Fair, a beautiful verse in Scots and Gaelic on the country's national animal, the unicorn. In 2021, he won the Robert Burns World Federation's International Poetry Competition with The Working Birds. On the Lock And life here is blushingly new, the air so crisp within the basin of our green and purple world, the lushness of the hills as they rush toward the cooling lips at water's edge. We drink deeply, gratefully, from nature's pool. Our boat bobs rhythmic circles across the film. They, like we, are silent. We lie back, lulled by the intoxicating promise of unbiased air. The mountains staunchening the sky above our heads, unbroken, blue, and wide. Our eyelids droop to clash, fighting the urge to slip into a sleep of dreams when dreams are here before us. We banish them, knowing the precious presence of this real sky, this real water, this real boat, to be the superior love. The sun is scattered, glitter on the lock, a twinkling, a sparkling. Yellow silently erupts across the hillside, and with it, a breath of a breeze, drawn like silk from a sleeve that softly slides across the mirrored sky, and a gentle, secret world stirs. Next is a poem called Alice by Anna Kerwin. Anna is a writer and artist living in London but dreaming of the Arctic. Her last published piece explored the strange glow of European cities by night. More generally, her recent work deals with language, thought, and time. She sees light in the darkness. Now, for those who've forgotten, Alice Eleanor Lambert was a woman that Tom became smitten with in Seattle, long before he came to Canoe Lake. At 15 years of age, to Thompson's 27, she apparently turned down a marriage proposal from him with a giggle or a laugh of some sort that so devastated him that he immediately left town and returned to Toronto. Later, in 1934, she wrote a novel whose main character, many believed, captured this relationship and framed it as Lambert's one true love. A whirlwind, more like. A tornado had given him some cause to hope. To wide, eager eyes, I laughed. My head shook. He left. 
back to the cold shore. Our summer, tracing hearts and masters departed. I regret it still. Timothy Tarkley's work can be found in Wild Roof Journal, Vanity Press, Back Patio Press, and more. He has two full-length collections from Spartan Press, one called Lake Bound from 2020, and another called Gently in Manner, Strongly Indeed, Poems on Eisenhower, 2019. The first is a poem called Path Behind Mowat Lodge by Tom Thompson. We carve words like trailhead in the bark and pretend that any path only goes one way. Every traveler knows when your joints thaw and your boots have been washed, your past self falls with the frost and mud. You've seen things surmounted the crest and breathed by and by each time, calling two points home and meaning it. The second is about fishing, and it's called the Charlie Horse in Your Leg. Sometimes you've earned it. You've committed to swinging to your eighth thistle, to catching the elusive bass you've only seen glimpses of. Been on your feet for hours, caught a hook in the meat between your thumb and index finger, blood dripping down your shirt and jeans. Your head is still reeling from when you slipped in the mud. The heat is draining your stability. Lunch is cooling somewhere. You thought you'd be done by now, and of course the music of failure is rising in your ears in between waves of electric pain. It's drowning out the blow-ups, giving this disaster of a day a perfect soundtrack. A throaty cello solo rises, taunting you, interspersed with the voices of your life's hecklers, like cymbal splashes setting a tighter pace for your heartbeat. Crying is just a function of the body, like a thermometer, reminding us just how badly we're doing at any given moment. And you may or may not notice the charley horse in your leg perched against that rock, because just as you were about to give up, you felt the tell-tale vibration in your pole, something living has walked into your charade. Your rubber worm has to fight the forces of nature. As you reel and reel, as you're bleeding, sweating, crying all over the place. You think maybe there's no such thing as a good fisherman, just someone who is willing to put up with this much bullshit, and as you hold what was supposed to be your dinner, you think, why let something fight so hard just to lose? And you let him go. On that note, I think it's time for a musical interlude. So I want to share with you again one of my favorite Ian Tamblin songs called Down at the Tea Lake Dam. Well, the light's not right, color's not right, mood's not right by me. I should be fishing, plain as the eye can see. Fly tight, tight, a breeze so light, there's an arc in the Arctic sea. I should be fishing, so fishing's where I'll be. Everybody wants me, don't you tell them where I am. I gotta fly in the mouth of a big brook trout down at the Tea Lake Dam. Anybody wants me, don't you tell them where I am. I gotta fly in the mouth of a big brook trout 
down at the tea lake dam. Trouble in mind of a womankind don't sit well by me. Said we should be married. Oh, Winnie, how can I be? Now love's one thing, but a wedding ring sure does scare me. That kind of fishing, don't you set your hooks on me. Anybody wants me, don't you tell them where I am. I got to fly my big road trout down at the tea lake dam. Anybody wants me, don't you tell them where I am. I got to fly in the mouth of a big road trout down at the tea lake dam. Don't you tell them where I am I got a fly in the mouth of a big brook trout Down at the tea lake dam Anybody wants me Don't you tell them where I am I got a fly in the mouth of a big brook trout Down at the tea lake dam Art they say don't pay the way You're a fool I have been told That ain't no picture your colors are too bold Rocks, trees, trees and rocks What's in that you see? I should be fishing These troubles chasing me Anybody wants me Don't you tell them where I am I'm gonna find them out of the big trout Down at the tea lake dam Anybody wants me Don't you tell them where I am I'm Got a fly in the mouth of a big brook trout down at the tea lake dam. Got a fly in the mouth of a big brook trout down at the tea lake dam. Paulette West is a visual artist residing in the Blue Mountains. A graduate of the University of Toronto in French language and literature, she went on to study visual arts at Sheridan College, focusing on art history, painting, and sculpture. She has exhibited her work locally, is a member of the Blue Mountain Foundation for the Arts, and a member of the Canadian Artist Association and Tom Thompson Group. Paulette has contributed three poems. The first one is called Canoe Lake One. I remember Canoe Lake, August 1997. Our paddle from the lodge, the portage, a first for me. The climb to the top, the laughter of children across the lake, finding the cairn. To the memory of Tom Thompson, artist, woodsman, and guide. Close by, a totem pole pointing up towards the sky. Colorfully decorated. Shapes of trees, birds, woodland markings. I quickly sketched it, capturing essential parts. Noting colors, lines, curves, space. In memory of the person. Who was artist, woodsman, and guide. Born August 1877. Canoe Lake 2. Shrouded by this body of water, drawn from your surroundings, you gave rise to a movement that defines our country. Its forests, colors, textures, its rugged beauty. Never forgotten. You are everywhere in our imagined landscapes. Crimsons, yellows, blues, 
pine trees, lakes, and rivers, your spirit survives at Canoe Lake in quiet solitude, forever to inspire. And number three is called At One with Nature. The canoe takes you on a retreat, palette close at hand. Your senses absorb the beauty and riches of the land. In your moment of solitude, you quietly paddle to shore, at one with nature. You animate small birch panels, vivid, lush, brushstrokes, rapidly picturing time. Bold hues, reds, ochres, blues, eye and hand sketch as one. Energy abounds, reflecting in trees, lakes, rivers. You capture it all, at one with nature. You retreat to her call, feel the wind, inhale the surrounding freshness, regenerate on the water, carrying you to solitude once more, at one with nature. Richard Bramwell has two books of poetry to his name, Signs of Life, that was published in 2017, and Out of Place, that was published in 2018. His contribution is called Shorelines. You reach the border, the contour on a map, dividing lake from land, a line where firm footing meets yielding other. Do you stay an outsider or tread across the threshold? And have you drifted by the shore at night? You need the darkness to see stars shine far away from places people live. Look out beyond the earth's edge. The moon's light gleams in broken ripples, reflecting from the surface of the lake. Not so the star shining, missing, presumed drowned. A lone tree grew on that rocky bank, something of a landmark it was. For years it reaches up to the sky until, encouraged by the wind and wanting water, it dies and falls. Folk use the wood for campfire kindling, and the dead tree springs into light, returning starshine to the night sky. Next is a hymn for Thompson by Ankur Giotti Saikaya, who is a researcher at a forestry research institute in India with works published in Minison Zine, Blue Pepper, Sledgehammer Lit, Open Work, Mag, and Holy Flea. A hymn for Thompson. Instead of poems and elegies, compose a hymn, let him canoe again, put strokes on canvas. Next are three poems from Michael McCourt. Michael is a high school English and music teacher living in Kingston, Ontario. He writes poetry, flash fiction, and short stories. His work has been published in everyday fiction. His first is called Lightning, Canoe Lake. The storm explodes suddenly. One jagged crack of golden seam joins the heavens to the rocky hills below and for a moment turns the dark castles of cloud into a peaching sky. The lake rises up, thrashed by the whipping of wind, and waves become towers that rise and crumble to the surface again. Poem number two is called The Trees Are Cathedrals. The trees are cathedrals, spires reaching high to the sky, bathed in the glow of morning holy light. And pilgrims come day after day to walk a nave made of pine needles and rocky earth. Beneath a ceiling adorned not with painted cherubs, 
touching the finger of God, but with golden hands and fire-red kisses. And when a god wind blows warm breath full of grace, colors rain from the cathedral ceiling, spiraling down weightless in slow, sleepy wreaths. And you collect them and hold them loose in your hand for a moment before releasing them on the broken surface of a clear lake. And number three is called Burning Horizon. You walk along the shoreline. The late evening sun sits low over the water. A burning horizon under the darkening sky above, the water is alight with violet streaks. The forest floor scurries under a dark canopy. Chipmunks out to the path and then dart back into the undergrowth to the crinkle of dry leaves. The setting sun pierces small gaps in the foliage, setting tree trunks ablaze with golden flames of light. George Hemmington is a writer and amateur diver from London, Scotland, and Northern Ireland, with a crippling phobia of heights. In Canada and in Japanese poetry, he rediscovered a passion for river, ocean, and lake, as described in the abstract physicality of moments in the natural world, rather than in romantic or naturalistic details of one's immediate surroundings. His contribution is called Diver. Twisting into lake's water, a mind's eye closes, and a hand begins to move. The next contribution is called April 1917 and is by Robert Lettingham. Robert has been an educator and in the dim past has been seen on southwestern Ontario stages working in locally produced amateur and other theater works. One, packing list. Train tickets return from Toronto to Canoe Lake Station since half redundant. Matches, a hat, greased boots, woolens, pencils, notebook, oils, palette and knives, brushes, terps, Panels, canvas, waxed Duluth pack, oil skin, pipe, Hudson Bay tobacco, sheath knife, spoon, fork, toothbrush, and powder, bar soap, brush, and razor. Tackle for brooks, ponds, and the big lakes, street clothes for the return home. Two, from Mowat Lodge. Bedroll, canvas tent, axe, cast skillet. Enameled mug, bowl, plate, hemp rope, flour, lard, butter, salt, tea, smoked meat, tinned goods, root vegetables, canvas-covered canoe, paddle. 3. Distractions from work. Angling, brook trout, pickerel, pike, sunfish, lake trout, maybe, early black flies, evening mosquitoes, deer and horseflies in the day's heat. The aberration of deer, the keening of wolves, red squirrel in the pack, and a bear sometimes in camp. The seesawing of white-throated sparrows, and everywhere the silent riot of not always second-growth fir, spruce, tamarack, white pine, red pine, jack pine. Heavy horses on the rough roads, booms on the water, th rounders in camp, very occasionally a woman working for the park or guiding for cash and all the rough things it might buy in the bush. Four work. Morning and evenings paddling solo, skirting the wind in the lee of islands. Wapameo. Maybe. Where he will wash up later. Through hot still dawns and chill summer evenings, sketching, mixing paints in the dying light. 
Wood fire for company. Something to stare into. It doesn't look back. And it's unpaintable. Five. After. It's all still there. Everything in the lake always reflected perfectly beforehand by the prescient bigger sky remembering the July moon waning four days since full on the fourth, washing out the silent madness of stars. And then the chronic rash of speculating. Murder, a woman, debts, a dog, who can say? Who can say has or will yet? Yet no matter. There will be still as well as in Leith, everywhere and always, the ancient monument of rock, the racked trees, the luring, unsympathetic water, the unstill light, and all the wheeling, doomed, redeeming colors in the north, east, south, west wind. Here's another musical interlude, and again another one of my favorites from Ian Tamblin, called My Heart Belongs to the Northland in Spring. Algon, springtime is coming. Ice on the lake and the geese on the wing. Shadows still long and the snow fields white blind. My heart belongs to the Northland in spring. Back to the tum flying, Creole and the past. Back to the easel and the promise I bring To capture the light, the colors away My heart belongs to the Northland in spring White clouds billow and the birches turn gold Hills of dark velvet in evening Tamarack, maple, and the lean of jack pine. Time to take chances, time to be bold. Back to Tea Lake, Canoe Lake, and more. Bags at the station, I wait for the train. Farewell to the sound, good friends and family. My heart belongs to the Northland in spring. White clouds below and the bridges turn gold. Hills dark velvet in the evening. Tamarack maple and the lead jack pine. Time to take chances, time to be bold. Back to Tea Lake, Canoe Lake, and more. Bags at the station, wait for the train. Farewell to the sound, good friends and friends. My heart belongs to the Northland in spring. Mm -hmm. 
Farewell to the sound, good friends and family. My heart belongs to the Northland of Spring. Next is a poem called Tom by Derek N. Robertson. Derek lives and creates in Peterborough, Ontario, where he is an elementary teacher. His work has appeared recently in the Minnesin Zine, Greek Ink Poetry, Northern Otter Journal, 433, and Analogies and Allegories Literary Magazine. The Pulse, Pushing Blood Echoes, In Your Ears, Enveloped by Ever-Darkening Depths, Fingers clenched and relax, sinking deeper, hidden, from searching eyes. Breaking hearts on old trails and secret fishing holes. Whistles blowing. Voices crack calling your name, until hoarse. Darkness finally taking everyone. Sadie Maskery lives in Scotland by the sea with her family and has contributed two poems, one called How to Sing with Wolves. The melody is shaped like a dance, minor key, harmonics almost dissonant, a rising repetition of layered force pulling upwards for drama, resolution on the cusp of bearable tension, sly dominant seventh by the alpha male, sliding along the scale, drawing ears into the story beyond the frame. But wolves, their songs are woven not through time and sound patterns alone, but a tapestry of mingled sense. But wolves, their songs are woven, not through time and sound patterns alone, but a tapestry of mingled sense, intense, power and hierarchy. Lift back your head and howl, surrender control of your chords, muscles, thoughts. Such an outpour is not merely sound, but the smell of soothing, a cord of puppies sleeping in a tumbled mass of warmth, milk-sated, salt and iron tang of elk blood, Staccato footprints of stoats pattering above the den in the moonlight. Noses buried in the mother fur, substance and heft and safety. Beyond waves of pine, hyssop, elderberries in snow, and a fruity madness of witch hairs brushing through thorns. Luxuriate in the smell of that space between footpads under claw, teeth and tongue. Petrichor... And kneaded bellies, bared throats, belonging, the scent of the pack, mingled bodies, scruffs of necks, bitten in play and lust, oh, the joy of a wolf's nose, olfactory sapiens, nasal savants, distilling a fragrant universe from ripples on lapped pools, sing ancestral tales of swamps, deserts, the taste of green, until time comes to sleep, the continuo diminuendo colors incense fade on the breeze before dawn, and dreams melt into dew. Her second is called Tourists. We were warned, but took the logging road to save half a day. It was fine, the dawn soft through a mist of flies. We peered through their tiny bodies at trees drowned in stagnant pools, windscreen wipers smearing wings, green and red, eyes the bulk of something Across the rear-view mirror. Claws, we knew the storm was coming, the air pregnant with it, groaning with the weight of thunder, and if the engine failed, we were alone, the phone a dead piece of plastic. 
Signal sunk like a stone. The first drop made us gasp. It was a pebble, plop on the glass. Then a cascade, a waterfall, a flood, and the wheel slipped, just as we saw tarmac and the exit sign. We saved half a day. It was fine. The next are three contributions from Catherine Sadakirsky, who's a 21-year-old writer from Massachusetts, whose work has been published in Capsule Stories, Critical Read, Dove Tales, Halfway Down the Stairs, Literature Today, New Pages Blog, Northern New England Review, Poetically Magazine, Seahorses and International Journal to Share the Spirit of Haiku, Silver Stork Magazine, Snapdragon, a Journal of Art and Healing, Songs of Eretz, The Beezine, The Voices Project, Yellow Arrow Journal, and elsewhere. This first one, called Magnum Opus, was inspired by Thompson's Sunset Sky, which was painted in the summer of 1915, the Pointers that were painted in 1916-17, and Round Lake Mud Bay that was painted in 1915. The chameleon sky shifts dipped into sun and water, dyed like an Easter egg. The warm fibers of pumpkin orange and petal pink are knit into indigo and violet, day meeting night, fire smoldering into coal, the palette of your soul all ablaze with dreams and kindled first in nature's beauty. Van Gogh had his cypresses and sunflowers, Monet his poplars, and you birches in the Canadian forests, trees bridled with ropes of leaves that canter in the roads of sky-like horses as they fall, pebbling the mountains with rainbows of metamorphosing colors in the early autumn months. You didn't study life indoors from the window of a studio, when the mountains and trees all around you were your muses, and your spirit fell in with the rhythm of the geese triangulated against a net of sky. They could be a trinity of angels under your brush, reborn in color on your canvas. Her second, called Canoeing at Morning, was inspired by Thompson's painting Summer Day, which was painted in 1915. Canoeing at Morning. The sun is like gold running through your veins, a slow-moving music that wakes with the day. Your spirits rising with the light. You are warmed from the inside out as though by a campfire in the night's starlit woods. Your heart's wings open like a hawk's, soaring above the water, with the light reflected in this chalice that can't contain all that lives in you, in the earth, today. This last one, called Polaris, was inspired by a variety of Thompson's paintings, including In Algonquin Park, that was done in 1914, Northern Lights in 1917, Autumn Foliage in 1915, Woodland Waterfall in 1916, and Moonlight in 1915. Polaris. You were called to a life of light, and forever pursued it unblinkingly, following the sun on the water, like it was an isle of stars leading to an altar of sky, under which the pulchritude you painted was a prayer. In your search, did you disappear into the glistening shadows of the birches, Sparkling pillars alabaster as moon dust, whose reflections bent under the waning autumn incandescence? Did you slip like a leaf into the water, paddling your canoe, dipping a paddle into the silver, like a poet drawing ink from a well, to pen a sonnet, 
stretching words across a page as if it were wool on a loom? Did the flicker of moon like a will-o'-wisp lead you into a hidden waterfall and canyons golden as fleece of sun splintered like wood into rays that once reached across your face? Did you lose yourself in awe, wrapped in the threads of color woven by the northern lights, tumbling and dancing like kaleidoscope shapes, twisting and turning, refracted in the lake? In the unknown you set across, did you find what you were looking for? Among the snow and mist, the light of life beckoned, a ribbon that couldn't be severed, that with the painted memories you've scattered behind you like ashes, we can still see. We look at your treasure map of paintings, the clues you left, and maybe in them we'll find the light, too. Next are two poems by John Kinsella, whose paintings and poems are a personal meditation on the beauty and restorative power found in the natural settings of his home province, Ontario. The first is called The Sun Goes Down on Canoe Lake, 2017. What a spectacle, the Ontario sky at day's end, rich in color, depth, and wonder, like the entry to heaven. Slowing his canoe, no longer in a hurry to reach camp before last light, the painter lingers longer to feast upon the symphony of color, to see it with his soul. Then heads home, filled to the brim in humble gesture, reveals to his canvas his heart and soul, satiated, awakened, renewed. The second is called Canoe Lake, July 5, 1917, Ode to Tom. Into the blue I stand and stare, an empty canoe appears from nowhere, into the blue, into the night, an empty canoe, an unwelcome sight. A portent of the days ahead under the waning July moon, a painter is dead, a painter is dead, calls the haunting cry of a loom, mystery lingers in the dark. Darkness does the truth forsake. What really happened in Algonquin Park? Under the moon on Canoe Lake. Kristen Houlihan writes from the California Central Valley, where she is newly experimenting with writing her own poetry, flash fiction, and creative non-fiction. This poem is an ode to the power and glory of water, her favorite part of nature. Called Unyielding Waters. I feared you, but I loved you, the kind of love that comes from understanding your power. Your gentle, meandering flow, an illusion cast by the beauty of sunlight, reflected off a mirror, the babbling sounds of water over rocks barely peeking above your surface. To break your plane as a human brings certain death. We knew and decided not to meddle. Choosing to enjoy your nearness, your chatter, the soundtrack as we scaled the sun-warmed granite, and tested our metal within your gorges. But respect means nothing to your currents, undiscerning in their deadly pull, and unexpected, unavoidable accidents befall even the most prepared adventurers. We trusted our ropes, our knots, and anchors, but most of all we trusted in each other. We were safe, cautious climbers, who turned out not to matter, as the fall came before the climb. I'll never know how or why it came to pass, but I'll always remember the moment I saw him slip, only an empty space where my rock had stood. I peered over the edge in time to see you suck him under, teasing us as you loosened your grip enough for us both to catch our breath a time or two before he disappeared into your depths forever. 
I pray he remembered our pact, why I didn't come after him, that the knowledge I'd live for our children lessened the pain as your water filled his lungs and squelched his spirit. I loved you, but I loved him more, and now I despise the power I admired so much. Revulsion overtaking respect for hatred is easier to bear than the gaping hole you've worn into my heart. Another gorge carved by unyielding waters. Called Water and Canvas, this piece is by Scott Grigsby Lehman, whose favorite forms of creative expression are nature and travel photography, journaling and poetry, especially the Japanese minimalist poetic form of haiku. Water and Canvas. Received by the lake, his paddle still drawing water, canvas, canoe, flashing with silver paddle through water, brush on canvas, midnight painting outside, moonlight on my canvas, rock lake, reflecting, lake, rock. Mary Grigsby Lehman lives in Fergus and thoroughly enjoys being immersed in nature and outdoor adventure. She taught high school science, physical education, and outdoor education for 30 years and shared the joy and adventure of the natural world with her students. Her first contribution is called The Solace of Your Soul. Tom Thompson. Where does your soul wander? Through the breath of the west wind, in the haunt of a loon's call, in the rhapsody of maple's autumn foliage? On the blanket of winter's snow, draping Algonquin's highlands, your hands, your heart, your creations on canvas. A mentor's mandala. And a second called Ephemera of Human Nature. The death of a birch tree lives in the skin of a canoe. The falling of an ancient cedar revived in the ribs. The crash of a walnut tree carved in the caress of the paddle. Jenny Wong is a writer, traveler, and occasional business analyst. Her recent publications include The Night Heron Barks, The Adriatic, and The Shore Poetry. She resides in the foothills of Alberta. Glenmore Reservoir A paddle dips into the depths. This man-made body of... A paddle dips into the depths. This man-made body at 6 a.m. no one cares that its liquid origins stemmed from the rise of a concrete berm. A trio of horned grebe fish dive into the waves, and the water weeds are too invested in their own roots to realize that they are the ones becoming invasive. Ripples chat with the aluminum that glints along the underside of a rental boat. Above, ravens glide through, listening. This next piece is called Number Three by Adam Kelly Morton. Adam is Montreal-based, who teaches acting and writing, and has had stories published in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K., and has an upcoming piece in A Wild and Precious Life, a recovery analogy, to be published in 2021 in London, England. We canoe out to the island, land and jump into the cold water. I let my body sink down while you stand on the rock shivering. So I get out and put my arms around you. The air's warm enough to keep the goosebumps away. Our canoe is an old pelican model, painted deep green, number three, on the skin of the bow. It used to belong to a summer camp, but I never told you that. There's a bay you always wanted to explore, so I steer us that way using my J-stroke, 
The wind is down, and you're a strong paddler, so I sometimes sneak in a rudder stroke and just watch you. You gaze out at the forest shore. Hidden in the pines above the bay is a monastery, abandoned for over a decade. Let's go there, you say. An old dock is rotting into the lake. We moor and climb out of number three. On land, we slip our wet feet into dirty sneakers, the gray stone of the building cracked, and the broken window holes watch us. The steps leading up are choked with weeds. Come on, you say. At the top is an overgrown courtyard, crumbled pillars and archways, a great well sealed shut with cement. This is cool, you say, as the sky darkens with fast clouds. We make our way around to the back of the place. There's a trail into the woods. Let's see where it goes, you say. Along the packed dirt path, we come to a circle of elms, surrounding a huge fire pit of black wood and ash. Broken beer bottles. Kids, you say. And a first raindrop hits my cheek. Let's go, I say. We walk back to the dock. The wind's at our back as we paddle for home. When thunder rolls in from the hills to the west, We'd better get going, I say. I watch your shoulder muscles tense and pull. It's fine, you say. I don't mind a little rain. Droplets of water fly from the paddle to your freckled arm. Stick there on the skin. A blue dragonfly buzzes around, lands on the gunwale beside you, right above the three. You stop paddling and look at it. And so do I. We glide for a while and listen to the thunder and the drips of lake water off our paddles, and the drops of rain on the dark lake. It's beautiful, you say. Yes, it is, I say. And when I do, it flies away. Next are two contributions from Jamie Dill. Jamie is an accomplished book coach, founder of Polish and Pitch, editorial agency, and editor-in-chief of Cardigan Press, who uses her precious downtime to pour her lesser-known self into free verse poetry. Her writings reflect her professional interest in language while also ripping apart the rules to show the world the raw beauty of emotion, femininity, and confession. Cloudy Skies What religion is accumulated water? That creation becomes creator, layering itself in the folds of sunlight to baffle watchers below? With cadmium bursts that fade into a cerulean canvas stretched across all Earth's corners, and waters which mirror Thompson's eye for the duality of nature's tone, too bright and lovely to look away, yet too wild to know in full. Her second is called Algonquin's Unfinished Tales. In the wake of discarded canvas, so too is the unfinished portrait of who you were yet to be. Did you see something in the browning, jack pine needles that made you want to join the ground? Or perhaps the serenity of the canoe compelled you to leave it perpetually unmanned, oil frozen and unobscured. These are the poetic musings of one who cannot fathom how someone could watch the west wind below the hair on your head and deem to ruin the brushstrokes of your breath upon this world. It's more likely there's no one to blame at all, though horribly more tragic, because if it were not a human hand, then it was the very nature you worshipped, and death by the artist's inspiration is the worst betrayal of them all. 
And finally, a quote from Thompson himself. Someday they will know what I mean. So I'll close this episode with one more Ian Tamblin favorite called Brush and Paddle. and battle through the lingering mist of a northern lake there that's my canvas my canoe can you see me clearly now Russian paddle stroke by stroke the northern rivers of your public schools I was seen on every wall can you see me clearly now? I'll come to you alive as all the colors you'll imagine on a canvas. The promised greens of springtime, the threatening grays of fall. Algonquin seems so little time. I love the swirl of water, the turning out of path, that perfect swirl of circles, now the past. Vermilion cobalt crimson, the sky is now electric, and the light is moving fast. Russian paddles, stroke by stroke, as west winds move the future of white pines. I cannot know the future, I only know this moment and how it is defined. But I'll come to you alive as all the colors you'll imagine on a canvas. The promised greens of springtime, the threatening grays fall. Algonquin, it seems so little time. Russian paddle, stroke by stroke, through the mist, Bill Mason, why even care to dawn? I am your invention, I am your great need, and Thompson, Thompson is my name. I come to you by brush and paddle, through the lingering mist, of a northern lake There, that's my canvas, my canoe Can you see me clearly now? closing, I do hope you've enjoyed this reading of the poems from Canoe Lake Memories, 
If you'd like to get a copy of the booklet, go check out www.paddlerpress.ca and you can find it there.